broken for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. Hallelujah. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. We'll read some more verses in that chapter a little bit later. Let me remind you that we are no longer bound by the power of sin and we are no longer bound by the power of the law. Jesus completed the law. He completed it and he abolished it. Hallelujah. Because it was no longer necessary. Let me tell you, if, if man had been able to have completed the law of his own strength and power, then the cross would have been unnecessary. But there was absolutely no one from the moment that Adam fell until the second and last Adam came. There was no one who could pay the price. There was no one who could complete the standard and be acceptable in the sight of God. And one of the tactics of the enemy is to try and influence the believer to think that somehow he can gain some progress with God, some acceptability with God by the things that he does of himself, by the things that he does of his own power, the power of the flesh, by the things that we do religiously by even the modern worship and all the things we do, if we have any dependence upon those things, believing that they will gain us some aspect of salvation, then we have totally misunderstood the message of grace. It is only by grace that we are saved. Hallelujah. And so we can achieve nothing. So Jesus came and completed the law for you and abolished the law. And his righteousness has been imputed unto you. Hallelujah. When we were talking about Abraham, Abraham's faith meant that he was credited to him as righteousness. So how wonderful it is that we can see that Jesus dealt with, it as, with everything necessary to bring us back to a place of right standing with him. And that's why Paul in this chapter can say, therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We have been set free by the law of the spirit of life. Hallelujah. Amen. Turn to your neighbor again and say, how's the Holy Ghost doing inside you? Because I believe you me, if we allow the domination and the control of the flesh man, if we allow the natural man to be dominant, that which is in control is our master. But the Bible says, sin shall no longer be your master. It shall no longer have dominion over you, for you have been set free. And I want to talk about the freedom of the Spirit today. That's the first thing that I want to talk about. The fact that we have the freedom of the Spirit. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? You haven't got that freedom. Sorry to burst the bubble. It's not because you're Pentecostal that you've got the freedom of the Spirit. Every born again believer starts in the place of having the freedom of the Spirit. 
You will never achieve it by your own effort and goals that you set yourself. You know, when I was a young boy, I used to think that freedom in the spirit, just growing up in a, a very released, free church, you can't imagine that, can you really? Uh, and uh, absolutely blessed. And, uh, and I, for, as a little fella just growing up, I used to think freedom in the spirit meant, oh, I could just raise my hands and, and dance if it was a free church and, uh, you know, and be expressive and explosive in my praise and worship and I love that and I, I, I love the freedom of that but that is not what this guy Paul is talking about he's actually talking about the freedom in your spirit in your life to be able to live a life that pleases God oh there are aspects of freedom that God will bring to us where we have freedom of expression of our love to God but the freedom of life in the spirit is that God has set us free from the power from the law of sin and death by the law of the spirit of life. Therefore, from the moment we are born again, we have a liberty and a freedom to live a life that pleases God. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, you have the spirit in you. You can live a life that pleases God. And so that's where we're coming from tonight. The moment this morning, the moment that you are born again, you are free. Are you catching that? See, too many Christians think, if only I could deal with this, then I'd be free. If only I could sort this out, then I'd be free. If I could only get control over this, don't, you know, get released from this. Oh, Lord, heal my emotions, heal my mind. You know what I'm going through, all my problems and my mountains and my issues. Then somehow I'd be free. It's the wrong way on. We have already been set free. So the enemy is the one who comes and says, oh, you're not free. If you were free, you wouldn't be like that. If you're free, you wouldn't do that. But actually, we are set free and we are free to be able to please God. So then Paul says in chapter 6 of Romans, look at chapter 6 of Romans and you catch where I'm coming from. Because Paul in this first verse says, in the light of God's grace, in the, in the light of being justified by faith, uh, in the light of the coming of the Spirit of God, uh, and that we've passed from the old life to the new life. Uh, the previous chapter 5 talks about death comes through Adam and life comes through Christ. And then in chapter 6, Paul says, in the light of this grace, in the light of God's victory, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means we die to sin. How can we live in it any longer? So we do not continue in sin just because we have been set free. And the revelation of grace sometimes means that we can feel a little bit loose about our sin. We can give ourselves a little bit more grace when it comes to the way we live than we ought to do. Because not only have been saved by grace, we're being called by grace to live a brand new life. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, you dare not live the old life you were living. We can't. We, we've got to. We've got to move on. We, we've got to change. We've, we've got to see the transformation power of God working in such a way within us that means that we no longer live the old life. And of course, what I'm actually talking about is the experience and the encounter with God, which Paul speaks of when he said that I am crucified with Christ, but nevertheless I live. And so we're talking about the power of the self-life being dealt with by the power of the cross. So we're talking about the death of self. 
And Paul puts this very effectively across to the Roman believers. And I want to add this, friends. I want to say to you that this uh, death of self and this release from the self-life, the control of the self-life and the flesh, it's not a one-off experience. I don't know if you've noticed that, but it actually is a lifelong journey, isn't it? Where we constantly have to come back to the cross constantly have to come back to Christ and say, Lord, deal with this in my heart, deal with this in my life, deal with this in my mind. That is the work of the cross, and it is a a constant journey together. Hallelujah. So let's come back to chapter 6 of Romans and read some more verses. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We die to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a brand new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. You know, there's a a bit of an image here we could draw upon just to say that um, some Christians, they're almost like kicking and screaming to stay alive, aren't they? The old man, keep the old man in control, keep the old man doing what he wants to do, battling and and confronting constantly. And and Paul himself talked about that when he said, you know, uh, the things that I want to do, I don't do. And the things that I do do, I end up not being able to do. And I'm so glad that he didn't leave it at that, aren't you? I'm so glad that in that explanation of of sometimes the battle and the war that goes on within us, Paul didn't leave it at that. He's saying, oh yeah, there is another law at work within me at times. He says, oh wretched man that I am, who can set me free? But thanks be to God, through the Lord Jesus Christ, he gives me the victory. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor, nudge them, wake them up and say, there's only one outcome for you. It's victory. (laughs) Hallelujah. Amen. You know, I've learned over a long period of time now of walking with Jesus that God has called us to victory. And no matter what we go through, no matter what trial we face, no matter what mountain we face, no matter what issue we're dealing with, in our finances, in our family, in our home, with our children, with our grandchildren, in the future, with ministry life, with church life, there is only one position that we can take our stand in. And that is in the victory and the triumph of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only place you can stand. And having done all, we stand. And that's why Paul in Galatians says, do not allow yourself to be yoked again with uh, with a bond, with bondage, brought into bondage again with a yoke of slavery. But stand your ground. Hallelujah. Stand and having done all, glory to God. So we're taking our stand this morning, uh, recognizing that we have been set free. Some wonderful things that Paul includes here. Firstly, he explains that we are included with Christ in his death. Hallelujah. Just let that sink in there for a moment. Friend, when Christ died upon the cross, you were included. 
I know we weren't physically there. But every one of us would have to recognize that if we had been, it would have been no different from anybody else. We put him on the cross. And then the next thing we recognize is that we were buried with him in baptism. How many times we have attended baptismal services and, and in a way it's, it's more like a funeral service, isn't it? The old man is going. Hallelujah. I love baptismal services. You know the best bit? When you drag them out of the water. Hallelujah. When you pull them out of the water. And in my spirit, whenever I see anybody laid under the water and raised up, I think, thanks be to God. That's an external sign of what has happened in the heart and the life of this person. They have been buried with you, Lord. They were included with you. And they are publicly demonstrating that this has happened to me. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. And then thirdly, we are raised with him through the glory of God the Father. And then fourthly, in this passage of Scripture, we'd have to recognize we are able to live a brand new life. Glory to God. So, friends, we have freedom in the Spirit. If we've allowed ourselves to be included, if we've come to Christ and been included, we already possess freedom in the Spirit. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, Woo, you free person. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, in a society, we see, you know, you know, Satan counterfeits everything. So the, the, the nonsense of, of the world and the society, the generation in which we live, what do they do? They, they throw off restraint and they think that that is freedom. They think that freedom is being able to just do what you want, how you want, when you want, forget everybody else. Of course, that actually just changed them up. That's a deception of the devil. We are the free ones. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. He who the Son sets free is free indeed. free indeed. We are free. Hallelujah. Woo. But, oh, friend, I'm going to challenge you today. I'm going to challenge you. And I make no apology for challenging because I'm going to challenge us to live in the freedom of the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. You know, for too many Christians, the Christian life is hard work. It's toil and it's striving. But I just want to remind you of the revelation of God today that you've been called to victory and that Jesus has already set you free. All we have to do is allow him to deal with the power of ourselves, the strength of ourselves, and be willing to lie down and die. Turn to your neighbor and say, die, will you? <laughs> You'd have a shock if they fell over in the anointing, wouldn't you, really? <laughs> oh, <laughs> Sal, Pastor Sally's uh, is down here going steady, steady. <laughs> Hallelujah. Freedom. And I know. That God wants to bring that liberty in your heart and your mind and your spirit. You can't earn that, friend. You can't force your way through to it. You can't persist through to it. You have to accept that Jesus has done everything necessary for you to be totally delivered and totally set free. The only way that the enemy can remove that from you is if he manages to deceive you because it is a rightful possession of yours because Christ has set you free. Next thing I want to say about this is freedom in the spirit cannot come 
without a crucifixion and a resurrection. And it might surprise you that I'm not actually referring to the re crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus on this particular subject. Or oh, we achieve this through his death and his life. But I'm talking about our crucifixion. I'm talking about our resurrection. Because we were included with him, we were buried, we were raised, and we were enabled by the power of the Spirit to live a brand new resurrected life. Why do you think Jesus had to come to the cross and die and pay the price for our sin? On the third day, rise again, ascend to the heavens, and he had to do that in order that the Holy Ghost could come. Once that he had entered into glory in heaven, and the blood was sprinkled upon the throne, upon, upon the altar, then the Father and the Son looked at one another in agreement, looked at the Holy Ghost and said, now's the time, go. Hallelujah. Now's the time, go. And this was all building towards this tremendous topic that we're looking at this week, that the reason why Jesus redeemed us and the reason why Jesus sent the, the power of his spirit into us is that we could live a brand new life. Hallelujah. So turn to your neighbor and say, the old life is over. The new life has come. And again, that's why Paul writes, says, I've been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body. Amen. So you're not waiting to die the physical death, but we do have to cooperate with God and be willing to die by submitting our lives unto him. And then we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with. Aren't you glad that uh, eventually this, this aging body uh, is going to be done away with? Hallelujah. If you think you look good now, you wait till you see yourself glorified. Wow. I mean, I look at my wife, I think, how more, much more beautiful can she get? But I tell you, when I see her in glory, hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that a great thought that we'll all be together? Amen. I'll be walking along some pearly streets and golden roads, and suddenly I'll, I'll bump into Clifford. I'll say, Clifford, you're looking really sharp today. And I can see that God has done a great job of restoration. <laughs> Clifford will say to me, where did you get that one from? <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? We'll all be slim in glory. Woo! <laughs> Amen. You see, so much of our focus is, is built and focus is, is set around so many things that are actually so secondary and so basic. The flesh will always distract you to the external. You know, and that's why Paul, even himself, oh, physical exercise is good, but spiritual exercise is far more important. So all the time that we spend taking and making sure we're looking pretty sharp on the outside, just think about if you took that time and invested it in your spiritual life, how much we would grow and how much we would develop as the men and women that God truly wants us to be. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, the outside's looking sharp, but you better get the inside right. So we're talking about the, the death of, of, of self, really, through the ongoing work of the cross. And, you know, you've often heard me say there's no shortcuts to knowing the intimacy of God. And there's no shortcuts to 
coming to a deeper place with God, it, it really does take time of walking with the Holy Spirit, of hearing the voice and the prompt of the Spirit and obeying that. And I was just sitting there with these guys this morning and I, 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 there are times when I just have to pinch myself and think, am I really here? Has Pastor Dave really invited me to come and speak on this platform? Uh, you know, because we've all, we've all messed up. We've, we've all, we, none of us are, are worthy to mount the steps of, of a platform and speak on behalf of God. None of us are, uh, there's just a calling on us and the gifting within us that God's put there. That belongs to the Holy Spirit anyway. So it's not mine. And, uh, you know, what, I was just sitting there thinking, what an honor and a privilege it is for me to come and just be in this church, just to be with you. And I was just savoring every moment and, and enjoying the fact that God had given me the privilege. And uh, so turn to your neighbor and say, he's really honored to be with you today. I want to take you just quickly to Galatians chapter, uh, where are we? Galatians. Look at Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. And let me remind you while you find that of terrific text that I uh, highlighted last night was uh, the word that was to Abraham, the life of the man of faith, the father of the faith, uh, it's he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. You know, it's so important that we recognize that we receive everything by faith from God. So if the enemy can undermine your faith, if he can bring something or attach something to you or start to help uh, make you think wrong or evaluate wrong and if, even if it's error or wrong teaching, you know, if the enemy can use that, he will distract you from the freedom and the liberty that God has already given to you the moment you were born again. And that's exactly with the problem that we, we face here with the Galatian church because Paul wrote these words because they'd allowed themselves because of error and legalism, a legalistic Christianity that was no Christianity at all. Actually, it was a mixture of Christianity and Judaism, false teachers false preachers had come in and they'd allowed uh, the, the people had allowed themselves to bring confusion and so this is why Paul says with such strong words in Galatians chapter 3 verse 1 he says this you foolish Galatians who has bewitched you and that word in there means who has who has pulled the evil eye over you if you go back to the original text and look at the background someone has pulled the evil eye over you you were looking right you were focused right but something or someone has come in and distracted you and you've headed off in the wrong direction against the truth and this is what he's saying and reason why he's introducing this so strongly is because these people are without excuse And I'm pausing there because actually we are also without excuse. And many, many Christians, they would say, well, of course, if I hadn't gone through that, if I hadn't gone through this, if this hadn't happened or that hadn't happened in my life, listen, we are without excuse because those are just the battles that, you know, we all face different battles. We all, the Bible says, in this world you will have trouble. That's a great promise from God, isn't it? And no matter what we face, we have to come back to the fact that Jesus in the power of the cross has done everything necessary for me to live with freedom, with health, with healing, with wholeness. If the cross wasn't enough, then the cross couldn't save me. But it is. Hallelujah. And so he's very strong on this. 
um, he reminds them this, before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. That, what he's actually saying is, although you didn't see the Lord Jesus Christ physically die upon the cross yourself, you heard the message so effectively preached and you believed in your heart, you confessed your faith and you had the full effect of the cross in your life. That's what Paul is saying when he says Christ was clearly portrayed among you as crucified. And then he asks him three fantastic questions. And this is what he asks. Firstly, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by believing the law or by believing what you heard? Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor and say, how's your faith? Turn to your neighbor and say, what are you believing? You see, you received the Spirit not by observing a set of rules and regulations and you can create your own rules yourself. You will build your own law yourself if it makes you feel good. But he says, did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? And then, are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Give in. Stop striving. Stop struggling and hand over your life to God. Have you suffered so much for nothing? If it really was for nothing. And here's the next one. Does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you heard? And all that builds towards this incredible verse here. Consider Abraham. Consider Abraham as we are doing. He believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. And then, of course, it builds towards that wonderful verse in verse 14. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. What is the blessing that was promised to Abraham? The gift that was promised to Abraham was this, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. That goes all the way back to creation, the fall, the calling of Abraham, the restoration of the life that God always longed for us to have means that we have freedom in the Spirit. Amen. So I want to move forward just a, a bit of a jump, Paul, and just uh, I, I love the dealings of God with our forefathers in the faith and uh, it was all building towards the wonderful day in which we live. But so much of what Jesus was accomplished on the cross was in order that we might receive freedom in the spirit. And too many believers live between <laughs> Egypt and Canaan, saved but never satisfied. Too many believers, they live between Good Friday and Easter, Sunday. Believing in the cross, but never actually experiencing or entering into the glory of the resurrection, which comes into your life by the power of the Spirit. Friends, we must get comfortable with the Holy Ghost. We must get comfortable with the things of the Spirit. We have to be set free from our churchiness, and even if it's Pentecostal style. We are, sorry, 
We have to be set free from our churchiness and be so freed up in our hearts that, that we have a liberty that comes from God, not because of religious things that we do, but because of the freedom of the Spirit that we have received. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. And then the next thing I want to say is the freedom of the Spirit cannot come. The freedom of the Spirit cannot come to you without renewal of the mind and without self-denial. It won't come. Because it's all about who is in control. Now, we've had a wrong... Yeah, I don't know if anybody's come and preached on self-denial. You know, probably if they came and preached on self-denial, they'll never be invited back again. That's why I've taken so long to preach this message, because after this, you might not ask me back again, Dave. But you see, there is a need for self-denial within the Christian. And it is a theology that we've lost. And there is a need, the renewal of the mind and self-denial. Now, now I'm not talking, when I talk about self-denial, I'm not talking about, oh, if you treat yourself harshly, you know, sleep on a bed of nails and, <laughs> and put sackcloth and ashes on yourself and, uh, and, and, and treat yourself harshly as if there's some benefit with salvation by the way you treat yourself. So we're not, we're not talking about that. But what we are talking about is who is in control. And there are some things that are not right for you now. There are some things that are not appropriate for you now because you are living a brand new life. So turn to your neighbor and say, there's some things that you've just got to leave behind because we have been called to live a brand new life. Can I just talk about the body? Did you know the body is not sinful? sinful it is neutral. When God condemns sin in sinful man, he paid the price by his body upon the cross. And he was wounded for our transgressions and by his stripes we are healed. So the body actually, it can either be controlled by the flesh or controlled by the spirit. And that's what this message is all about. It's about who is in charge. It's about what is mastering you. It's what is dominating you. And the reason why I say we will not know the freedom of the spirit unless we have renewal of the mind is because as a man thinks so he is. So actually, so much of what we do, obviously everything that we do originates in the mind. So if our thought life is wrong, then we will in the end begin to do the action that we are thinking of. Guess what, friend? If you concentrate and think about adultery, uh, an immoral sexual relationship long enough, guess what you'll probably end up doing? You will probably end up committing the very sin that you've allowed your mind and the thing that your mind is focusing on. You will do that because as we think, we, we generate, we think, and it, it turns into action. So that's why the Lord, the Word always says, set your heart and minds on things above. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. So it is so important the way that your mind thinks. Let every thought be made captive and made obedient to Christ, which is the word of God. So uh, we have to get control over the mind. We have to make sure that what we look at is wholesome. We have to make sure that what we think about is wholesome. And of course, in this generation, uh, the blackness seems to be getting blacker. You, you can just drive down the street and you can look across to the left or the right and you might see a billboard with a woman that's hardly got anything on or a, now a chap has hardly got anything on. And if you're not careful, bing. All you've got to do is start to imagine and vain imaginations will soon take you 
into a wrong thought pattern. And what we have to do immediately is say, oh, thank you, Jesus. Thank you for uh, uh, my focus. And keep my eyes upon you. Thank you, Jesus. There's purity in my mind, purity in my spirit, and purity in my way. So we do not leave, live in between. We, we have to come to the place where we are controlled by the Spirit of God. I want to take you back to Romans chapter 6 and verse 11. Is this doing you good? Are you sure? Do you want me to shut up and pray for you? <laughs> Are you ready? We're in Romans chapter 6. Look at verse 17 and 18. But thanks be to God that through, though you used to be slaves to sin, you wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching. That's a great word, isn't it? Wholeheartedly. Obey the form of teaching to which, which you were entrusted. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. There's nothing like knowing the freedom of doing what is right. Then I want to take you to chapter 6 and verse 11. Okay, you're there. Bible says here, In the same way count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Uh, let me just say that that word there, count yourselves, if you've got a King James Version, you'll probably have reckon yourself. Actually, what it means is bring this to your account. Just receive it. Just apply it. Just acquire it because this is where you're positioned. Reckon. This is the standing that you've taken. This is the position where you are. And uh, interesting that the Lord didn't say, uh, if you feel it, if you feel you've been set free. And that's what most Christians go on. If you're feeling good on a Sunday, or you're feeling okay, then they would say, I'm doing all right. And I want to say this is just, it's not, a, it's not even a command of God, it's just a statement of fact. It's just an acceptance. It's just a childlike acceptance. Reckon. Count yourself dead to sin and alive to God in Jesus Christ. So just apply it. And I think it does take a real spiritual authority to just rise up and accept the fact that that is the way it is. And once we're in that position, once we've accepted that great fact that we're dead to sin, alive to God, then Paul continues and says, therefore, in the light of that position, in the light of your freedom, in the light of the death and the new life, this is what you can do. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, so you obey its evil desires. Next, do not offer parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer parts of your body as instruments of righteousness. Isn't that wonderful when you actually stop and think about it? The new life that we've received by the Spirit, it starts right in the inner man. As deep within you, right in your spirit. It's funny really because uh, when, when we uh, think about where our spirit is, we always think it's whoa, right in there. Whoa. Deep in your spirit. The inner man. 
And that inner man has to come alive through Christ and begin to permeate all the way through. Through the mind, through the heart, the attitude, reactions and responses, our love for each other. We were talking about it last night when humanly and in human nature we would perhaps find it impossible to forgive. But the spirit man, the inner man, renewed man, he will forgive. He will take control over the emotions and the thoughts and the natural reactions and he will forgive. Turn to your neighbor and say, I've got to forgive you. And we can say that because the person you're sitting with, I don't know, especially if it's a wife or husband, there might be somebody. <laughs> We've got no choice. And there's no conditions. You know, we can't say, well, I'll forgive you if. I'll forgive you if this, this, this. No, 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 no. The inner man. And it permeates. And that passage in Scripture in Romans is amazing because it, it speaks about the inner man and permeates all the way through, right the way through to the point where what I am doing with the body matters. And of course, that was a, a, a problem we were talking about last night where they said, well, you're so free, it doesn't matter what you do with your body. Of course, it does matter. Because we are called to offer our bodies as instruments of righteousness. Amen. So how wonderful that we've been so set free that we can live for God. Just quickly go to Romans chapter 12. And these are scriptures that you love and that you know. We all love and know them. Hallelujah. Chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy, pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. That means do not be pressed into its shape. Do not be pressed into its mold. Do not think how the world thinks. Think how the spirit thinks. Do not adjust your life to the standard of the, that is acceptable to the world, but be transformed. How? By the renewal of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good pleasing and perfect will. Hallelujah. Isn't that wonderful? And I just remind you about how amazing you truly are. That by the grace and the mercy of God, although you are still living in the physical body, the outer shell has not changed. But inside, inside you, you are not the person you used to be. Inside you, there is a glorified, renewed man or woman of God just waiting for the moment when Jesus comes. Just waiting for the moment when time will, uh, will when God will say, son, it's time. And of course, the Bible says, when we see him, we shall be like him. But that inner transformation, it doesn't all start in that twinkling of an eye moment. It started now. Hallelujah. Amen. You are renewed day by day by the power of the Spirit. So, friend, the spirit man within you is already loosed and already set free. 
to live the brand new life. I'm only just going to do one more point, Paul, and then we'll bring things to a conclusion because of time. I just want to say that we talk about freedom of the Spirit. Then I want to say we have f the freedom of sonship. We were looking at this a little bit last night. Uh, we know that the Bible says those who are controlled, those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. So you can see how much control is important to God. If I am controlled by the flesh and still dominated by evil and the Spirit of God is not within me, then I do not belong to God. I'm not a son of God. But the moment that I am born again, the Bible says if I'm controlled, uh, and uh, I'm going to use the word, it's not a good word, but if I am dominated, if I am mastered, if I am overcome, if you like, by the Spirit of God, instead of the things of the world, then I am a son of God. And that is how the Spirit of God, the Word, puts it across. Because anything that has mastered you has dominion over you. You know, maybe this morning I could throw a challenge out there, and I don't know, in this, uh, in Ireland it might be slightly different, but you know, many, many Christians are feeling quite free to, to really get boozed up and, and, re, uh, and, and smoke and, and operate in a wrong way, in a wrong lifestyle, and they think they're free to do that. I want to remind us today that we are not free to live like that. I want to remind us from this platform to say there is a right way of living and a wrong way of living. And if you have a habit or something that is controlling or dominating you, then recognize your freedom and receive your liberty in the name of Jesus and allow God to break its control over you. I want to share one more thing with you. We'll just move into um, Galatians chapter 4. Because all this will not happen without us taking action in faith. I just want to remind you of the experience of Abraham and Sarah. Sometimes I, I, I think about the experience of Abraham and Sarah and I think that must have been so hard. Because if you remember that... Uh, Abraham tried to help God along. <laughs> Sarah tried to help God along. Turn to your neighbor and say, God is capable of sorting it out. Leave it with him. <laughs> we are so prone, aren't we? I just, look, I could do with this coming on a little bit quicker. I'll just try and have a go myself. Uh, and sometimes we just have to surrender things to God. And of course, remember the story. Abraham and Sarah received the promise a, a, a son of promise will come. That actually, that's representative of the new man. That Isaac was the son born of promise. And uh, Ishmael is the son who was born because of man's uh, meddling. And because man tried to resolve the problem or the issue himself. And so he even tried to bring the promise of God into being himself. And that's how the flesh operates. And of course, you, you remember the story. But the time comes when God says to um, Abraham and Sarah, Ishmael can no longer remain in the house. Get rid of the slave woman's son. And you see, there will be no peace in your heart because Ishmael has to go. Isaac will not be able to take the rightful place while Ishmael is still in the house. And so you have to get rid of the slave woman's son. And there is a slave woman's son in all of us. 
But thanks be to God, the moment we are born again by the power of the Spirit, we become sons of promise. And there is a freedom of sonship that we know and experience. And so, turn to your neighbor and say, kick him out. Amen. Kick him out. Hallelujah. Let me just remind you of, of something that uh, I just think it's a terrific uh, passage of Scripture. Uh, in Galatians chapter 4, and I'm bringing things to a conclusion now. Galatians chapter 4, look at verse 1. We read it last night. Are you there? What I'm saying is that as long as the heir is a child, he is no different from a slave, although he owns the whole estate. He is subject to guardians and trustees until the time set by his father. So also, when we were children, we were in slavery under the basic principles of the world. But when the time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law, that we might receive the full rights as sons. Amen? And because you are sons, God sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, the spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. So you are no longer a slave, but a son. And since you are a son, God has made you also an heir, which is a different subject. Hallelujah. Isn't it wonderful to be a son of God this morning? Amen. Isn't it wonderful to be someone who has been set free? Isn't it wonderful this morning that we can know the freedom and the liberty of what it means to be a son of God? And that is the spirit that you have received. You have not received the spirit of fear that makes you a slave again to, uh, to the things of the world, but you have received the spirit of God. You have received not a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and a sound mind. And by that spirit within us, it cries out, Abba, Father. You know, the Bible says that the spirit within us testifies. It gives witness within us that we are the sons of God. It does not yet appear who we are, but when we see him, we shall be like him. On the inside, I'm totally transformed and renewed. I'm only waiting for the last bit to be changed. Glory to God. And when he comes, it'll all be completed. And I'll meet him in the air with hair. Hallelujah. <laughs> See, the Spirit of God. Uh, you know, I just want to say this to you, friends. You know, the quickening of the Spirit of God within you. God knew that you would need that. God knew that you would need it as you walk through your life, as you face your trial, as you face your battle, as you face everything. He knew that you would need the Spirit of God within you, confirming, assuring uh, you that you are a son of God. And the enemy comes, he says, oh, no, not you. Everybody else, but not you. If everybody knew what you were really like, not you. And I want to stand with you today and say, the Spirit of God within you affirms and testifies. It's time to listen to the voice of the Spirit. Hallelujah. It's time to foot to flight the lie of the enemy and listen to the voice of the Spirit of God that is within you. Amen. He's within you. He will tell you the truth and you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. He who the Son sets free is free Indeed. So friends, we are carrying the freedom of the Spirit. And we are carrying the freedom of sonship. 
put the enemy to flight. Be transformed by the renewal of your mind and know the equipping of the Spirit today. Would you like to stand to your feet with me? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I wonder if the band could just quickly come, very, very, very quickly. And if we could sing that song as we close. We sang it earlier on. Thank you for the cross, Lord. Thank you for the price you paid, bearing all my sin and shame. In love you came and gave amazing grace. Let's just come back into the presence of God. We've heard the truth of God's word. We've We've heard what he has to say to us today. Just put your things down as quickly as you can. Forget your dinner for the next few moments. Your dinner will be just fine. Glory to God. And let's just take a few moments just to connect with the Spirit of God again in worship as we hear from heaven this morning. Hallelujah.